0: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: G'day and welcome to this week's segment of Farm Yarns, where we dive behind the audio to find out who inspires our guests, what motivates them, what they would like to debunk, And also, what resources they lean on to get the most out of their agri-business. So, let's get down to it, farm yarns. Right, Corey, you joined us earlier on in the week um, on the Farmswise full episode, talking everything carbon, how it's working up in Queensland and how it may be able to work for other farmers. But in this episode, farm yarn segment, we get to know a little bit about Corey, what drives him, what inspires him and what sort of resources you rely on. Before we get down to that, we'll kick it off and just see what's your morning routine. What's it like for you?
2: Morning routine, yeah. Uh, well, because I live on the beach now, I, I get that luxury lifestyle. I didn't have it for a very, very long time working away in remote locations. I was last up in Weeper, so I did some hard yards. So I'm sort of trying to relax a little bit more now, Chuck. Um, I, 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 I do get up. Reasonably early, not early, not cracker dawn, but you know, around six o'clock or something. I head to the beach. I got this uh, pup, this border collie, and I take her for a little run up and down the beach. I try and uh, do some yoga. I've been getting into yoga lately, and uh, some meditation quickly, just to. Well, it's more a priming, not really meditation. I, I'm not very good at meditation. Um, priming is more like setting your brain up like practicing gratitude and envisioning and setting your brain up for the day. Then I go and get a coffee and I sit down and journal and what, write what I'm going to do for the day and I plan out my next trips, where I'm going to go, um, North Queensland or South Australia or wherever I'm going next. So it's really like a, it's bloody fantastic morning routine that, like that um, uh, Honey Badger says. It's like, if you win win the morning, you you win the day kind of thing. And I've sort of taken, taken on that approach now. It's a bloody it's 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 a good lifestyle on the beach, but I I get the itch to to travel um, to these cattle stations. So everything that I'm doing is sort of prepping prepping for that, and I get quite excited
1: for those for those trips. Hundred percent sounds quite good and a little refresher too. Jumping into the ocean um, and getting straight into it for your day. But for yourself, who inspires you personally, or it could be professionally as well. Yeah,
2: I I think agriculturally. Um, uh, uh, a bloke called David Ward. I don't know if you've heard of him before. He's he's based in, in Dubbo and uh, his his father was Bruce Ward, who, who started um, SLM, Sustainable Land Management Company, has been being run by the Finlayson's now. But uh, he, he, he came from a very holistic sort of agriculture background where he was um, thought holistically. And he taught me those regenerative principles and, um, in those early days when I had no idea about it, when i just started in carbon farming, I was sort of on these properties and and he introduced it. We, we sat around a campfire one night with a couple of rums and he he talked about the African savannah lands and how the buffalo moved around and the elephants and broke up, trampled the ground and that regenerated areas. And, and they were trying to replicate that on their property um, using those rotational grazing sort of patterns. And I, my mind was just like... Pfft. And um, ever since he'd been a really, or oh, he still is, a, a good mate, and but been an agricultural mentor of mine, and and um, helped me through my sort of um, not only media career but also um, my professional career. So he he's definitely one. Um, I, I outside of that, I, I tend to look up to other people for advice, bigger media personalities like Tony Tony Robbins and. Um, Um, Brene Brown uh, those those type of speakers which I take pointers from I I think Bruce Lee is a a good example of someone who came the best fighter in the world not only because he was focused on one discipline because he took many different aspects from many different disciplines and fighters uh, across the world and that's how he became the best so I, I try and take
1: something that i like out of each person
2: and trying to create a, a more full version yeah. of myself i guess
1: exactly and that just transpires into what the funds episodes are about just taking one key element out of each sort of episode and implement it or if not use it into your own motivation to push you to do more maybe you don't like their idea at all and you're like bugger that i'll go the other way and do it a little bit yeah. better um, but however you take it as long as you take it on board and make something of it as well. And yeah, yeah, exactly. Moving into in sixty seconds, tell me your first memory that you had on farm, maybe your own farm or someone else's in the family. What was that for you? Ah, uh, my first memory that
2: ah that I've really taken into my life, I guess, was um, a horse that I had called Snip, and no one else liked him. Uh, he was a sour little horse. Every time he got on me, he'd pick root and do all these bad things, really. And so everyone was thought he was just a sport brat. But when we were mustering, we spent every day on the horse for two or three weeks straight. So I had, and Dad put me on that horse. He, I was the best rider at the time. I was the eldest. There was no other horses. I had to get used to this horse. So I thought he was a sport brat too. But then, you know, two or three weeks on a horse every day, you start to get to know the horse a little bit. And he starts to settle down. And, and he was incredibly brilliant at chasing cattle through the bush like he would focus so much on these cattle and just glide through the trees he was the safest horse that we had and so that i learned from that is that his behavior was just surface level behavior if i got to the depths if i got beneath that and tried to bring out the best in him then he he, he, he 100% and dad said it and my brother said it to me at a later stage that he became the best horse that we had the safest horse um, and the best mustering horse is like so I, I try and that's the story that I remember of my horse called snip and I try and bring that in, into my life is bring out the best in not only myself but in others
1: great staff what color was snip
2: he was a dark brown, black with a little white snip on his nose. <laughs> Very original.
1: We've had three guests on here and they've all had um, grey horses growing up. So I was thinking he might have been grey, keeping the trend going. But good on good on your snip. Great story. Yeah. <laughs> but for yourself, like I'd like to debunk a few myths with the guests and maybe about what you're doing with carbon farming. I know out there there's a shitload of myths going, going around and as you said, don't go to the pub and ask anyone what they should be doing. What's a myth you'd like to debunk? The, I think we already talked about it a little bit, but the,
2: the lock it up and leave it type approach. Yeah. Land is not to be locked up, it's to be managed. Uh, I think that's probably the biggest myth out there at the at the moment is that we we have to manage country. I mean, there's this... Rewilding concept going on at the moment, and I love David Attenborough, but I think he did the entire um, world a disservice when he when he introduced that rewilding concept. Is that we've been trying that in national parks? That that's not a new concept. I mean, the rewilding concept has been tried in national parks for decades now, where where we just leave land and it's not managed for fire or anything really, and then all of a sudden you get these massive bushfires like we saw in 2019, 2020. And so that concept is now too idealistic. People, if you hear this wilding concept, it just does not work. We have to manage country and the carbon projects can help manage country. They're not lock it up and leave it type approach. It is a hands-on management and we need farmers. We need landholders to do that. We will always need them. That's the myth I'd like to bust.
1: That's a bloody good one as well. Um, and... One thing you'd like to change about Australian agriculture, quite broadly speaking, what would that be? Oh,
2: oh. Be small, I want to be... tell, uh, yeah, I want to tell the truth here. A lot of people probably aren't going to like me for this. Um, I do not like the industrialised process. I, I don't like feedlots um, and, and that hard, fast, sort of focused and concentrated um uh impacts that we have in agriculture i don't think we ever should have brought livestock into that feedlot space i think they animals in general they need to be integrated into into land into ecosystems and we need to learn how to do that better that industrialized approach i don't think we ever should have done that i think we need to move away from it i know there's going to be a lot of people that go oh I hate you for this, but um, yeah, I, I've got to tell the truth here. I think we we need to move away from that type of model completely and into yep. one that is more regenerative and, and that's through landscape management.
1: Yep, good stuff. And also for yourself, what you're doing, expertise, sharing land care, what's the best way to pass on some land care um, techniques, principles within Australian agriculture to the next generation or even this generation just so we can... Have that start now approach?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, those five principles that I sort of said earlier, the maximizing the solar plant cycle, maximizing the water cycle, the nutrient cycling and creating a diverse range of ecosystem species, not just monoculture now. I mean, that's a really good one. Uh, Charlie Arnott says it best, probably, uh, the, with the fifth principle, is that you need to change the paddock between your ears, between before you change the paddock itself. Meaning that, you, like the the more information on the, in that regenerative sort of holistic farming space that you can um, um, get into, to start. Learning how to do better practices, the better. The more aligned that you can be with nature, not against it, the better. But in terms of like practical things that you can do every day, slowing water down, water flow, looking at where water flows around your landscape and slowing it down, that slows down the amount of uh, topsoil loss that you're going to get, amount of erosion, etc. You can do that through a number of different ways: digging small holes to keep that, and contour banks, or putting logs and and creating these leaky weir systems throughout your sort of gullies that you have so you can create these little wetland sort of niches and that banks up um, your water, it increases your soil carbon and increases your vegetation uh, capacity as well. The, the main aim that I would say the, the main principle is is don't allow any bare ground like aim for 100% vegetation coverage, not just pasture, but you want a diverse range of tree species as well. And for tree species in forest cover, you want around that 20 to 40%. That is the scientific value for maximum. Like if you're looking down from bird's eye view uh, on a forest, you want about 20% 20 to 40% forest coverage for maximum agricultural productivity. I think the age-old advice of every good tree is a dead tree is definitely not true, um, agriculturally or <laughs> ecologically speaking. We have to reverse that mindset. And anything that you can do to sort of um, keep your vegetation coverage and slow down that water flow, hold more water in your landscape, is only going to be a good thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and a, a bit of a tongue twister to get into it is if you weren't doing what you were doing, what would you be doing? Oh uh acting i think i've always
2: enjoyed um getting in front and and acting of the camera and acting like a larrikin so i'd probably go into in acting um not that i'd be any good at it but you
1: know something like that we're always looking for some cracking aussie actors to make it in the broad show as well so that's a good one but for yourself learning about carbon farming or any sort of principles you've learned along your way what's your resource to lean towards maybe a book maybe youtube a person what was it a community
2: yeah um zach bush is a really good one if anyone listens to his podcast he's very good in that regenerative space uh and also Project Drawdown. If you go to their website, um, Project Drawdown, there's a whole list of regenerative solutions there, the par- pasture and agroforestry and all these different things that you can do on land to maximize not only your income, but agricultural productivity, as well as start to reverse the global warming effects, et cetera. So, I mean, yeah, that, that, that's a really good resource. Um, and any type of podcast like that, you know, like anything with um, uh, any good documentaries, Kiss the Ground or Netflix is a good one. Um 2040. There's a heap of them out there. Uh and anyone in that sort of regenerative space, like Paul Hawken is another one, a good one to look look at. Rich Rolls podcast, he's he's gotten a few people on that are um really good. Uh just anything that you can Look out for any educators in that space that have any credibility behind them. I, I wouldn't. I would suggest not to to move away from the people that um that don't have any real background or, or real. Uh, but anyone that that does, like the Zach Bushes, the Paul Hawkins, and stuff uh, of the world, definitely uh, have a look at that at the work that they've done because it, it's quite interesting it'll open up even if you like you say even if you take one thing from that and put it back into your property or your business i mean that's a that's that's a gift in a way um and i think we don't do that enough we don't open ourselves up to
1: other opportunities um so anything that you can do in that space is is going to be a good thing 100 percent. and leads me into any book recommendations for the agricultural farming bookworms out there yeah, uh, this is a, a full-on one,
2: um, if you can get through it. I've only got through three quarters so far. Call of the Reed Warbler by Charles Massey. Yep. It's a it's a beautiful book, and it's all about agriculture and shifting shifting agriculture away from that industrial mindset into one that's more regenerative. But he uses very specific solutions all across New South Wales. He interviewed, like, 50 farmers, I think, across New South Wales, Queensland, Northern Territory, et cetera, um, and applied their case studies basically it was basically like a a thesis he's a farmer himself but he he applied all this knowledge and put it into one book it's bloody awesome uh if you want to know about more about fire management i'd go to uh, fire country by victor Stephenson. he's implemented a lot of indigenous fire management principles across that cape cape york area in particular uh and bruce pascoe's book dark emu is quite interesting as well in terms of regenerative agriculture knowledge that used to happen back in the day in the in the early practices and stuff that we can ideas that you might be able to take from that book to implement now so I think that the more reading that you can do in that space um, the better the fire country and, and dark emu is definitely the sort of easy quick ones to read uh, the the uh, uh, core of the read warbler it's pretty in
1: depth so be ready for a bit of a, a big read that one <laughs> with a couple of cups of tea I reckon Unreal! I've got two more books to add to my list there, and I've got Dark Emu, but I'm yet to set an eye on it, so I have to crack it open pretty soon.
2: Yeah, it's a
1: it's a good one, mate. Uh, yeah, but um, take your time with it, God. It's uh, it's full on. Absolutely, I will. But a question that opens up um a can of worms or something just for the next person I like to ask is, what would you like to ask the next guest on the Funds podcast without knowing their background, what they do, or why they do it?
2: Oh, good good question. Um, I really like your question, where do you see agriculture in 10 years? Um, I really like your question, you know, what tip could you do to improve ecosystem and agricultural health? Yeah, I think that I could tell it was my stuff a bit more. So what what tip could you give farmers, landholders to improve both Ecosystem health, ecological health, uh, as well as um, agricultural productivity. So, what's what's the left hand? I guess is what I'm saying is like, what would you like to give back in your lifetime to the land? How would you like to to go about? Uh, like, what impact? That's a better question.
1: What impact would you like to make in your lifetime on your on your property? Beautiful. Well, I can't wait to see what the reaction is for that one. But question from the last guest is pretty relevant to you as why are you so passionate about what you do?
2: Yeah, uh, that's a good question. It relates back to when I was talking about this this suicide and the wildlife not um, coming to the waterhole anymore. I mean, I know that whatever we do to nature we do to ourselves. This isn't just about my passion for for nature or ecology, it's my passion for for people and society i really believe that we have the answers within us and we just have to unlock that potential and so my life's purpose especially the last five to seven years has been trying to understand that human social element i mean i know reasonably well now i'm always learning but i I know across the context of environmental management and environmental management principles what 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 I think the world doesn't know is how to unlock that human potential is like what how do we get the and goes back to the the horse story as well Is like how do we get how do we bring out the best in people now how do we act in ways that are not divisive and more um, how do we unify industries how do we unify people because we all have different backgrounds different beliefs how do we bring people together on a common goal of regeneration on a common goal of reversing climate change And my whole life's work, um, especially the last five to seven years, has been about that because I'm passionate about people and nature at the same time and the longevity of of the survival of the human population, I guess.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't think you can work in agriculture and not be passionate about what you do. Um, If you're not, you're left behind and you're probably kicked out just as quick as you came in as well. Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah, that's right. It's, a, it's tough it's a lot of people are a lot tougher than what, what i am up there to be able to endure it day in day out so yeah it, like i'm learning in north queensland
1: absolutely well Corey, mate thanks for coming on to farm yarns and becoming a part of the funds vice alumni great to have you in the community and we'll catch on catch up further down the track and see what you're up to along with your clients and everything else Thank you for tuning in to the Farms Advice podcast. It is produced by Advert Your Eyes Digital, the agribusiness marketing specialist. Go to farmsadvice.com.au for more information on this episode and the others before and spread the Farms Advice. If you love this episode, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe as it helps other farmers find us too. But until then, next Tuesday, keep on farming. In the spirit of reconciliation, the Farms Advice podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of country for Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today.